the world of Islam, culture, religion, and politics. I greet you with peace. My name is Amin Tais, and this is episode six of the World of Islam podcast. Thank you for joining me again as we continue our journey through the history of Islamic thought. Uh, last episode, we provided an introduction to some of the difficulties inherent in trying to approach the figure of Muhammad. We particularly focused on Muslim sources, trying to see what kind of information about Muhammad we can get uh, from the Quran and the Hadith. We saw how neither one of these sources um, gives us a chronological introduction to Muhammad. We saw how the Quran does not provide us with much about Muhammad in history. The Quran rather focuses on Muhammad as a prophet, highlighting snippets of the prophet's personality, psychology, and uh, reactions to his environment. We saw how the Hadith, while not giving us a full biography, is much richer in details about Muhammad, uh, but that this image of Muhammad in the Hadith is in tension with the image in the Quran because uh, it idealizes Muhammad to a much higher degree, perhaps uh, showing that the Hadith is as much shaped by the needs of later Muslim jurists uh, seeking a perfect model uh, in legal terms as by what the historical Muhammad uh, said or did. We finished last episode by saying that it is the Sira literature that uh, provides us with a full biography of Muhammad and that this recollection of Muhammad's life uh, in written form using earlier uh, mostly oral reports was the product of biographers who lived in a much later and much different environment than the environment of uh, Muhammad uh, and his uh, uh, companions. We will go back to all of this uh, later on. In this and upcoming episodes, we will present a summary of the biography of Muhammad as presented in the Sirah. Uh, and then uh, we will discuss some aspects of this biography that came to be seen as controversial. And uh, later on, we'll uh, also raise some questions about this traditional narrative of Muhammad's life. And we will finish with a brief discussion of non-Muslim sources. Here again, I want to remind the listener that my goal is neither to be polemical, nor is it to play uh, defense in any way. I am putting my academic hat on, and my aim is to uh, put on the table issues uh, for all of us to ponder. Needless to say that I do not claim to have all the answers, but I hope that we can at least recognize that we must help each other think through issues that deeply affect us uh, today as communities and as individuals living in a 
global village. So what does the uh, traditional seerah tell us? Muhammad ibn Abdullah was born in the year 570 uh, in Mecca uh, in what came to be known as the year of the elephant it was so named because uh, according to tradition on that year an Ethiopian king uh, sent an army with elephants to uh, occupy Mecca and destroy the Kaaba uh, but not only did the elephants refuse to enter Mecca a flock of birds armed with stones in their claws and beaks also attacked the invader army that ultimately uh, withdrew defeated uh, picking up a plague along the way this was a sign of a great year uh, for the Meccans and great it became with the birth of Muhammad in the noble clan of Benu Hashim an important clan of the Quraysh tribe in addition to the miraculous event of uh, the elephant um, the Sira literature invokes a number of other events uh, surrounding the birth uh, and even the conception of uh, Muhammad Muhammad was born an orphan uh, his father uh, Abdullah uh, having died before his birth uh, and as was customary the very young Muhammad was sent to live in the countryside under the care of a woman by the name of Halima during this period another miracle is recorded in the seerah two angels are said to have opened Muhammad's chest to have removed his heart uh, to be cleansed with snow and cleared of a dark clot uh, before being put back in place at the age of six Muhammad loses his mother Amina and he joins the household of his grandfather Abdul Muttalib uh, after the death uh, of his grandfather he joins uh, the household of his uncle Abu Talib as a boy uh, Muhammad gets to travel with trade caravans uh, to Syria and on one of these trips um, while Muhammad was only 12 uh, or 9 in some other reports a Christian monk by the name of Bahira is said to have uh, noticed that miraculously a cloud was constantly uh, above Muhammad uh, following him and protecting him from the Sun the monk then uh, recognizes the stamp of prophethood Khatm al-Nubuwa uh, on Muhammad's back and he tells uh, Abu Talib that the young boy would have a great future and uh, for some reason Bahira uh, goes on to advise the uncle to protect his nephew from the Jews and their schemes and in another version from the Byzantines and their violence um, as a young man Muhammad is said to have been known as Al-Amin the trustworthy one 
so much so that on one occasion, uh, tribal leaders feuding over who gets the honor uh, to put the uh, black stone. Uh, this is a revered stone that survives in a corner of the Kaaba until today. So tribal uh, leaders fighting over who gets to put the black stone in its place uh, decided that the next person entering the sanctuary would be the judge between them. And who shows up? Uh, well, Muhammad does. And everyone gets excited that it is uh, Al-Amin, the trustworthy one who would be uh, the judge. Muhammad uh, is then said to grab a cloak uh, to put the stone in the middle of it uh, to ask each tribal leader to hold one side of the cloak and to bring the stone near its abode. Muhammad then uh, grabs the stone and places it where it belonged. At age 25, uh, Muhammad marries a woman and a merchant by the name of Khadija. Uh, the Sira puts her age at 40, uh, 15 years older than Muhammad, uh, who had uh, initially worked for her and who would uh, become the uh, manager of her trade uh, business. Interestingly, uh, she is said to have initiated the marriage uh, because uh, she was impressed by Muhammad's honesty. Muhammad and Khadija would eventually have two sons, uh, Qasim and Abdullah, who uh, both uh, die in infancy, and four daughters, Zainab, Ruqayya, Umm Kulsum, and Fatima. It is worth noting here that a number of Shi'i scholars argued that Muhammad and Khadija only had one daughter, uh, Fatima. Uh, we will see later how this reflects theological tensions between Sunnis and Shi'is. So retain the name of Fatima for later developments. At the age of 40, Muhammad who uh, got accustomed to spending time meditating on the outskirts of Mecca, would have an extraordinary experience. Uh, this happened at the cave of Mount Hira. The angel Gabriel, who is an angelic figure known in Jewish and Christian uh, canonical and non-canonical books, as well as in uh, Jewish rabbinical commentaries. So Gabriel, Jibril uh, uh, in Arabic, appears to Muhammad and reveals the first verses of the Quran to him. According to most accounts, the first verse revealed is the one uh, we, know, we now find uh, in chapter 96, uh, Surah Al-Alaq. Uh, it says, اقرأ باسم ربك الذي خلق خلق الإنسان من علق اقرأ وربك الأكرم الذي علم بالقلم علم الإنسان ما لم يعلم Recite in the name of your Lord who created created man from a clot recite and your Lord is most generous who has taught by the pen has taught man that which he knew not Here the Sira uh, records a moment of difficulty for Muhammad uh, Muhammad is shaken uh, by the event and thinks he had gone mad. But we are told 
that these moments of doubt disappeared because of the support of Khadija, uh, who sought the advice of a cousin of hers by the name of Waraka ibn Nofel, who was a uh, Christian with knowledge of the scriptures. So here again, Waraka confirms the prophethood of Muhammad, uh, explaining that the angel who came to Muhammad was the same who brought down revelation to Moses. But at the same time, warned that uh, Muhammad would encounter much rejection and animosity from his uh, people. From what we have covered so far, we see that two themes uh, that seem to be important to the editors of the Sira uh, are the themes of uh, Muhammad's honesty and trustworthiness and um, uh, Muhammad's recognition as a prophet by knowledgeable uh, members of earlier religions, particularly Christians. An interesting question here is to what extent is the focus on these two themes the result of pressures coming from the environment in which the Sira editors uh, develop their work? Um, so after a period of no contact from uh, Gabriel, uh, during which we are told Muhammad uh, had uh, become uh, anxious, um, Ultimately, uh, revelation uh, would calm down again and Muhammad would be ordered to deliver the message of God. First, uh, privately to uh, close ones and later on publicly um, to all uh, Meccans. Here again, we see that um, what Waraka ibn Nawfal predicted happens. Uh, Muhammad goes public with his preaching and the Meccan elite firmly uh, stood against him. So what did Muhammad preach uh, that was so threatening uh, to the Qurayshites of uh, Mecca? Muhammad proclaimed himself a prophet and a messenger of God, receiving a revelation, the Qur'an, a revelation that he would continue to receive throughout uh, his life. In this message, there are basic elements that challenge the status quo in Mecca. Mecca was the center of Arab religion with its sacred sanctuary that, uh, that held the great idol Hubal, as well as 359 more idol deities of various Arab tribes, making Mecca the center of religious pilgrimage and trade uh, in Arabia. And uh, at the same time, uh, as we discussed in an earlier episode, raising the prestige and economic status of the Meccan elite, uh, including members of the very influential Banu Umayyad clan, or the Umayyad clan, another name to uh, remember for later developments. Well, Muhammad posited himself as a prophet of God, uh, Allah in Arabic, in the line of earlier prophets, mainly those of the Jewish uh, and Christian traditions, uh, including uh, Moses in Arabic Musa and Jesus in Arabic Isa, 
but also some Arab figures uh, like Hud and Saleh. And like them, Muhammad's message uh, called on people to worship the one and only God, the creator of the whole world, and to reject idol worship and uh, shirk, um, which is to associate idols uh, with the one and only God. But uh, in what Muhammad preached, uh, belief was tightly connected to action. Quranic verses would constantly pair belief and good deeds or good actions. For instance, verse 9 of chapter 5, uh, Surah Al-Ma'idah, وَعَدَ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَأَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةٌ وَأَجْرٌ عَظِيمٌ God has promised those who believe and do good deeds, theirs will be forgiveness and a great reward. And this had a strong component of social and economic justice. Muhammad preached against economic exploitation and called for supporting the poor. Uh, consider chapter 107 Surah Al-Ma'un ولا يحض على طعام المسكين فويل للمصلين الذين هم عن صلاتهم ساهون الذين هم يراؤون ويمنعون الماءون Have you seen the one who denies the judgment? That is the one who drives the orphan away and does not encourage the feeding of the poor. Woe to those who pray but are heedless of their prayer, those who make show of their deeds and withhold basic necessities. And in fact, one of the criticisms that the Meccan enemies of Muhammad threw at him was that only the lowly people of Mecca had accepted his message. So monotheism and social justice play the central role in the message of Muhammad. It is important to add that there was also a strong eschatological element uh, in the equation. The day of judgment, paradise, hellfire, death, all these loomed large and were ubiquitous uh, and often presented in vivid imagery. We will see plenty of examples of this in uh, an upcoming episode. Uh, dealing with the Quran specifically. Um, so this challenge uh, from Muhammad to the status quo uh, of Mecca created a tense situation. Uh, Muhammad's followers, especially uh, the less fortunate who uh, are without the protection of a strong clan, uh, faced uh, many hardships. Things uh, were quickly uh, taking a serious turn and um, Muhammad's clan was uh, uh, faced a boycott by the Qurayshid uh, elite. The Meccan oligarchy sought to completely isolate the Banu Hashim clan, whose leader uh, Abu Talib, the uncle of Muhammad, a man who did not convert to Muhammad's religion, but who continued to protect him as is uh, customary in Arab tribal society. 
the boycott included uh, an economic component, but also a social one, uh, as uh, uh, no marriages with the Banu Hashim clan were to be contracted. The situation was so alarming that Muhammad had to send a number of his followers to exile in Abyssinia, where they sought and received the protection of the Ethiopian king, uh, the Negus, Najashi uh, in Arabic. It is in this period that the affair of the so-called satanic verses uh, occurs. Uh, I will get back to it when discussing uh, the controversial elements in Muhammad's biography. And then came the so-called year of sadness, Am al-Huzn. Uh, Khadija, Muhammad's wife, who provided him with strong psychological support, and his uncle Abu Talib, who maintained the clan's physical protection of Muhammad, both die in the same year. This is the year uh, 619, leading uh, to an even more uh, dire situation and more distress. Muhammad uh, was all of a sudden without protection, which he could not afford. Um, and so he traveled around to different towns seeking uh, this protection. But uh, we are told in the Sira that he only faced rejection in his path to the point of hopelessness. It's around this time, uh, in the year 620, that Muhammad is reported to have experienced another comforting and miraculous event. This is the so-called night journey, Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj. The story starts with Muhammad sleeping at night in Mecca. Uh, then the angel Gabriel appears to him and invites him to ride uh, this super uh, creature by the name of Al-Buraq, a sort of winged mule. So fast was Al-Buraq that it only took a few moments for Muhammad to uh, reach Jerusalem. Al-Buraq landed on the Temple Mount. Uh, this is where the Temple of Solomon uh, once stood. And uh, from there, Muhammad uh, travels up through the seven heavens, meeting major prophets of God on each heaven uh, until he finally meets God himself. Uh, reports disagree as to whether Muhammad saw God directly or from behind a veil. Gabriel also takes Muhammad uh, on a kind of a tour of paradise and hellfire, the uh, final homes of human beings uh, depending on their deeds and beliefs. Uh, it is also on this journey that the five daily prayers are supposed to have been prescribed. Uh, interestingly, um, it took some bargaining um, with God by Muhammad uh, under the advice of Moses to reduce uh, uh, the prayers from 50 daily prayers to only five. Uh, Muhammad's account of this journey uh, was uh, ridiculed by his Meccan enemies, but his closest followers were strengthened in their resolve including his friend Abu Bakr, who would be uh, from then on known as As-Siddiq, uh, meaning the one who strongly trusts. Um, 
And so all of this uh, was comforting to Muhammad despite his inability to find tribal protection up to that point. Until um, finally a delegation from the oasis of Yathrib, uh, north of Mecca, met with Muhammad and invited him to move uh, to the oasis and play the role of a mediator uh, between feuding tribes. Um, in addition uh, to the two feuding Arab tribes of Al-Aws and Al-Khazraj, uh, Yathrib and its surrounding areas were the home of significant uh, uh, Jewish populations. Muhammad and his followers uh, then moved to Yathrib and this event is known as the Hijra which simply means migration. Uh, this event is not only an important shift in the lives of Muhammad and his followers, it is also central to how Muslims would view their founding history later on. The year of the Hijra, uh, 622 of the coming era, uh, will be considered year one of the Muslim calendar, also known as the Hijri calendar. And it is in Yathrib, uh, which would, would eventually be known as Medina, uh, short for Medina Tannabi, uh, Arabic for the city of the Prophet. So it is in Yathrib that Muhammad would slowly build an independent community. And in the next episode, we will consider what the Sirah tells us about uh, the uh, growth uh, of this community uh, in Yathrib or Medina. So uh, please join me again next time. Until then, I leave you in peace. Assalamu alaikum.